Good morning. The message this morning is titled, Finding God in Transition. Finding God in our transitions. I'd like you to stand now for the reading of the word. From Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 19. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there. When the sun had set, he took one of the stones at that place and put it near his head. Then he lay down there. He dreamed and saw a raised staircase, its foundation on earth and its top touching the sky. And God's messengers were ascending and descending on it. Suddenly, the Lord was standing on it and saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will become like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west, east, north, and south. Every family of earth will be blessed because of you and your descendants. I am with you now. I'll protect you everywhere you go. And I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done everything that I have promised you. When Jacob woke from his sleep, he thought to himself, the Lord is definitely in this place. But I didn't know it. He was terrified and thought, this sacred place is awesome. It's none other than God's house and the entrance to heaven. After Jacob got up early in the morning, he took the stone that he had put near his head and set it up as a sacred pillar and poured oil on top of it. He named that sacred place Bethel. He named that sacred place Bethel. Will you pray with me? God, this morning as we come to hear your word, I pray that everyone in this room this morning will find you in the midst of whatever transition they're going through in life at this moment. Help us to openly receive your blessings and your grace and to remember that you are with us always now in this moment wherever we find ourselves in this moment. May my words be your words. In Christ's name, everybody said, you may be seated. In our story, we find Jacob in a very uh, important moment in his life. He has just left his home behind where his mother and father live, and he lived with his brother. He's traveling 500 miles to the north. It's going to take him several days to get there. It will be more than 20 years before he comes back home to be with his brother and his family again. A couple days into the journey, about 70 miles between Beersheba and Haran, he stops in the wilderness. It was a wilderness place, and there he lay down for the night and used a stone for a pillow. 
If you have your Bible with you, I would ask you to underline the word place. And the reason I would ask you to underline the word place is because you know the place. No, you've never been, perhaps, to that spot on the map geographically, but you've been there metaphorically. Because the word place there is, means something bigger than a spot on the map. He's talking about the place of transition. That place when we're in between one place and another place, when we're in the middle and we're moving someplace else. At that moment in Jacob's life, he is in the middle of a significant life transition from his family of origin to his future family. You know what it's like. You've been to that place. It's an uncomfortable place. It's an anxious place. It's a place of uncertainty. And sometimes in that place, we're scared. It can be a scary place to be in transition. I was thinking about Teresa and I. We've been married for more than 25 years now, and all the transitions that we've had in our life as a family, none perhaps bigger than the day that we got married. We got married on a Saturday. We became a family, Rebecca, Teresa, and I. And we all said yes, and even though we chose it and we wanted it and we knew what was coming, it was still an anxious time for us. We got married on Saturday, and the next week we moved to Texas from Little Rock. And there were lots of transitions. Rebecca was adjusting to her new family arrangement. I was adjusting to being married after being single until I was 32. I was becoming a husband at the same time. I was getting a new job and becoming a father. And Teresa was adjusting to a new family life. She had lived her entire life in Little Rock, and now we were moving to a whole new city, me to a new job, to a new church. Within a few days, Becca began her first day at school. And I was going to take her to school that day, and I went up to her bedroom, and I found Rebecca sitting on the edge of her bed. And she was crying. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I'm scared. I don't know anybody at that school. What if I don't make friends? What if they don't like me? And I remember in that moment thinking exactly the same thing. I know. I didn't say this to her, but I thought, well, I'm scared too. What if the new church doesn't like me? What if things don't work out? We moved all the way from Little Rock to here, and we were all feeling the same things. We were trying to get to know uh, the folks at the church, and this was the first time for Teresa to be a minister's wife, and she was trying to figure out what that means, what that's like. She was really anxious about it. So we started inviting people over to our house. Now, let me share with you, this is the first time I've ever told this story. It took 25 years to get permission from her to tell the story. <laughs> but we, we were inviting people to our house, and the very first uh, couple we invited to our house was Leo and Marie Smith and Leo's mother, Thelma. And Teresa had prepared a wonderful meal for us. We were just trying to get to know them. And during the meal, somehow or another, Thelma began to choke. I'm not making light of it. It was really a scary moment, um, really scary. We didn't know what to do, and she started to actually turn blue. And I didn't know what to do. I'd never done the Heimlich maneuver, but I thought, if I know, I better do it now. And so I got up, and I turned her around and squeezed her three times from behind as hard as I could, and 
what she was choking on flew out of her mouth and landed on the table. It was real, it was really scary. Later that evening, we were, laying, we were so thankful that she was okay, and they became really great friends. Uh, they still send us letters, um, and Thelma liked us too. <laughs> but later, later that night, later that night, Teresa said to me, she said, oh my gosh, I've only been a minister's wife for one week, and I've almost killed one of our members. <laughs> it was, I didn't really, I really didn't, I just really didn't estimate just the profound impact of all the transitions that were taking place in our life. And what I remember about that time is, and, and now and always, is that transitions are never easy. But you know this. Some of you came here today because you're in transition. You're looking for something to hold on to. But all over this room are people who are going through some kind of transition. You know, from, from being in high school to going to college, from being in college to going to the work world, from being single to being married, from being married to being single again, from being married with no kids to having kids, uh, to being married with kids to no longer having kids because they moved out of the house. You know, from, uh, from being a mom or a dad with a, a kid in elementary school who's now going off to uh, adolescence, and now they don't want you to be near them anymore, and they want you to drop them off a block from the school. And now you're trying to adjust to your new role because they depended on you for everything, and now they're getting independence, and they're starting to push back and argue, and you're trying to make sense of what does that mean for me now as a mom or a dad. You know, from being employed to being unemployed, uh, from one job to another, one house to another, from being healthy to going through a period of unhealthiness, from having a dream that dies to inventing some kind of new dream, from, from a career to retirement. I remember sitting in an elders meeting with a man who in our church who had had a long career as an engineer, and he was discussing something he wanted to do in the house. Now he's retired. And his wife, Frankie, looked at him and said, I'll tell you right now, Joe, don't start organizing my kitchen cabinets or my drawers. And when I leave the driveway, she said this right in the meeting, and when I leave the driveway in the morning, don't ask me where I'm going. <laughs> they were adjusting to retirement life with one another. Transitions are difficult because we're leaving a place that's comfortable for some place that's new for us. Sometimes it's an uncomfortable place to Sometimes the transitions are forced. Sometimes we want them, we choose them, and sometimes they're just a natural part of life. And sometimes God is the one who brings about the transitions. But what happens in transition, the reason it's a difficult place, is because we lose our security, we lose our identity, uh, we lose our sense of self in that place. Now Jacob, like many of the characters in the Old and New Testament, is in transition. Jacob grew up in a difficult family. Oh, you think you have problems in your family. Jacob and Esau, his brother, were twins, and they were fighting before they were born. Rebecca said that her pregnancy was so difficult because Inside of her, she had two people warring with one another, competing even before they were born. She said, I have two nations inside me fighting within me. 
In fact, these two boys were so competitive that Jacob was born holding onto his brother's heel. His name Jacob means the grabber, trying to pull him back inside his mother's womb so he could be born first. And their whole life they competed with one another. Esau was a hunter, an outdoorsman, more athletic. Jacob was more of a homebody, a shepherd, and a thinker. Unfortunately, in this family, Isaac, the father, preferred and loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. Now, I don't know if you grew up in a home where you had to earn love. If a B wasn't good enough because you didn't get an A or a C wasn't good enough, you had to get a B. If you grew up in a home where you were never good enough, you never heard your dad or mom say, I love you. If you lived in that home, you can identify with Jacob because his whole life he felt like he he never was, his brother always won his father's affection over his. So much so that at the end of his life, at the end of Isaac's life, Rebecca, Jacob's mother, put together a plot to get Isaac to bless him. They dressed him up like his brother Esau, his father was blind, and deceived him into giving the family blessing to Jacob. When Esau found out, he was so angry that Jacob had to leave home, and Rebekah said, you better run and run for your life and run right now. Go 500 miles up north to our family there and stay there, find a new wife. Maybe after some time you can come back home. It would be 20 years later. So you can feel him in that moment, can't you? You can feel his transition. Especially if you're one of those people who in the room perhaps is transitioning from a family that's been unhealthy maybe. Everybody in this room knows what it's like to have family. Everybody is in a family and everybody has some difficulty in a family. And there's always transition associated with families. You can feel him. You can feel his emptiness. Think about what he's thinking as he's laying there on the ground. Not only was he feeling lonely, but he was also probably afraid because he thought that maybe his brother, who was the hunter, was stalking him. And the whole time he's walking through the wilderness, he's probably, you know, looking back up over his shoulder. But as we know in the Scripture, there's always a surprise in a story. And this is, this is the most wonderful moment. And the moment when he thought he was so incredibly alone, when he'd been left all alone in the world, when he was in between places, in that moment of transition, something remarkable happened. He laid down and then he began to dream. And he saw a ladder that stretched from the bottom on the earth all the way into the heavens. And he saw angels, messengers of God, descending up and down that ladder. And he made this incredible discovery and declaration. What did he say? Surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. How awesome it is that God is in this place. What is that place? You've been there. You are there. He's not talking about that spot. He's talking about the place of transition. In that moment in between where he was and where he was going, God met him there. What that means is, for you, in that transition you're going through right now, when you're going through the fog of chemo from healthiness, trying to get healthy again, and the fog of chemo, it means God is there. 
when your children are passing from childhood to adolescence and you're struggling with what it means as a parent, God is there. When you're leaving one job for another job, it means that in that place of transition, that God is there. When you're going from being married to single or single to married and you're feeling the uncertainty of that change, God is there. In that moment when you're going from being cared for by your parents to caring for your parents in that transition, God is there. Or how about that transition that we sometimes make about what we believe? Sometimes we, we grew up in a home and we believed a certain way, and then we begin to experience different things in life. And then what happens is our old way of thinking about God and the world doesn't work for us anymore. And we begin to leave our spiritual and theological home for some new place. It's the deconstruction of our faith. We don't know where we're going we know we can't stay where we were, and we're in this uncomfortable place. We don't know what to believe. We're not sure we believe anymore. In that moment of transition, God is there. Surely the Lord is in this place, and we didn't even know it. Now, I've been reading this passage in the story and preached it many times. But this week I made a discovery to me that's just absolutely astounding it's very simple, but incredibly beautiful. I mean, it's, it's so exciting to me. I wish I could just jump up and run around and, 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 and just, well, just kind of go Pentecostal on you with this. I mean, it is, just, it is just such a beautifully profound insight that I had into this passage. passage. Notice, watch this. Jacob spent his whole life trying to earn the blessing of his father. His father, his whole life, held back the blessing. He had to deceive his father to get the blessing. And it created a gaping hole in his life. But then here, in the middle of the wilderness, in the place where he least expected it, when he didn't expect anything at all, what happens? God meets him where he is, in the middle of nowhere, and gives him the blessing for free. He didn't have to deceive God to receive it. He didn't have to earn it. It was given as a free gift of God to Jacob in his moment of transition. Wow. Wow. That's the gospel. The gospel of a God who became a human being. For God so loved not just the world, but you, me, all of us who didn't come to the world because we were good, but became because God is good. And this God is a blesser. And this morning, whatever you're going through, whatever transition you're in in this moment, I want you to know not only is God in this place, but you are blessed. God has chosen you to bless you with God's favor. What a wonderful message it is to feel and to know that we've been blessed in that way when we're in those in-between moments of life when we don't know what's ahead of us. We may not know what's ahead of us, but we do know this. We know that God is with us. And listen to what he says to Jacob. He says, I am with you now. I will protect you. I will never leave you until I've finished what I've done in you. Jacob, Jacob, will spend 20 years learning to receive that message. 
20 years later, he will come home a changed man. 20 years later, his name will be changed from Jacob to Israel. And the name Israel means the one who wrestles with God. The one who met with God in the place of wilderness and wrestled with his identity. You see, that's the benefit of these moments of transition. Because it's in the moment of transition that we're the most vulnerable, we're the most open to receive. It's in that moment of transition when we need God absolutely the most. It's in the moment of transition where God gives us the space we need to let go of the past and to embrace the future. It's in those moments of transition when God does his best work in us. It's like you're a seed that's been planted in the ground, and we look around and we wonder, is anything happening? Is God anywhere around me? But yet that whole time the seed is in the earth, the seed is about to bloom and to produce growth and and to grow. In those times of transition, when it feels like nothing is happening, God is doing God's very best work. In fact, he says in in the story, he said that this place is the entrance to heaven, meaning that our place of transition is a place for our transformation. It's what Paul means in his letter when he says that all things work for the good of those who love him. I think it's powerful because when we're in transition, we do feel alone. We do feel forsaken. And while knowing that we are blessed and that God uses it for our spiritual formation does not lessen the impact of what we're facing. Because not all transitions are created equal. Some are more difficult than others. Some are very, very difficult. Some are chosen. But when we know this, when we know that God is in the middle of it, and we know God can use it, and we can find God in the transition, doesn't it give us a way to reframe it and to rethink about it? It gives me energy. It gives me purpose. It allows me to get up in the morning and to address it and say, God, what can I learn from this? How can I lean on you in the midst of this? One more discovery. This is really meaningful, too. I didn't know this until this week. I had not put this together in the story. But you know what he does when he's in that spot? He names that spot Bethel. Later on, Bethel would become a place of worship for the Israelites. It was a place where... They would gather to make sacrifices and where they would worship God and seek forgiveness. And the prophets would go to Bethel. A temple was built there. Bethel is a name, it's a name that he gave that place. It means house of God. It's really interesting, isn't it? That the place where he was struggling in transition... In the place of forsakenness, when he felt so alone, when he was between one thing and another thing, that place he called the house of God. What are we doing here? This is a place made the house of God by people who gather before God in their transitions. You know what that means? It means you can be honest. You can be yourself. You can be real in this place because this place is a place of openness for transition. But even more than this, you know what it means? It also means that when we enter into the holy sanctuary, when we enter into this place, 
designated as a house of God, it means that we come to enter into willingly transition from our old life to our new life. We have been called to follow Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to the earth, He said, I come to bring the kingdom of God. Turn your life in my direction and live a new life. And we will spend our whole lives transitioning from an old way of being to a new life. And so we gather here every week to meet with God, to talk about our life. It's been absolutely amazing to me and astounding to me that in the 17 years that I've been your pastor, all the transitions that we've made in our own lives, I've witnessed in all your lives, from one place to another. And I'm just absolutely profoundly grateful for having been a part of all that. And you being a part of that with me. And I'm fully confident as this congregation enters into a period of transition that a transformation will occur. If we just keep trusting. Just keep believing. And just keep hoping. You know, I'm like you and you're like me probably. I do. I spend a lot of energy banging my knuckles on closed doors. Door shuts, I turn and I just keep focusing on the past and I just keep banging on that door, just, you know, trying to do the same old thing, trying to get new results. I just keep banging on that door until my knuckles are blood red. But then I read a story like this and I'm reminded that God is with me now. God is with us. And we can quit banging on that closed door, turn around, and just walk through the new doors that God is opening for us. God is with you now. God will protect you. God will never leave you until God has finished the work that God has done in you.